the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we are Shelby and Matt. Yes, and we are back on episode 15, which feels oh, like gee. some kind of landmark. I mean, I don't... It, on one hand, it feels like we haven't been doing this for very long, but then <laughs> when I think back to like Ant-Man and yeah. Jurassic World, those feel like eons ago. Yeah, it's we've crazy. come so far, you know. Time is flying. And I feel like this is going to be a very good episode. <laughs> I am jazzed up to talk about First Man. Weird of things have been going on in the pop culture world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have... I almost just want to start with my love it or hate it right now because there is a movie that I've seen that I just love so frigging much that I've been telling everybody about it. Like, this is going to be a good episode. I'm hyped. Wow, it's so exciting. That's great. Do we have anything to cover before jumping in, though? We getting ahead uh, yes. of ourselves. Yeah, we have reviews who of people oh, who are yes. also hyped. So yes. I'll read one for you. Please. This is from Ninety Nine Problems. Say hey. So I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's like a nondescript name. Like who knows who this yeah. could be? It says this is a great time. I honestly never listen to podcasts, but this show rocked my freaking socks off. Shelby and Matt are honestly hilarious and I love their banter. Even if they sometimes have questionable taste, keep up the good work. Um, Oh, wow. I never have questionable taste, so she must be talking about (laughs) you, Shelby. Okay, I don't think so. I think there's been a few moments where you admitted you don't watch um, important television shows like The Office because you're too cool for them. I don't know. Every now and then I think of that, actually. It just came up today when I was looking at GIFs and I was like, wow, this Office GIF is so funny. And then I was like, oh, Matt's never seen The Office and I got really no, sad no, for you. No, 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 no. Correction. I have seen episodes of The Office and I did not find them funny. So that is so that that's, is different that's than I just refused to watch taste. it. That is the source of questionable taste. But otherwise, that is good news. Ugh. Well, if you also are enjoying the podcast, you can leave a review for us, which yes. would be great. Yeah, we would you can... love you. Let us know that which of us, us so you, much. which of us here has the questionable taste, because I think, I think we can all agree on who that would be. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you can also leave us comments or um, like things on our social media platforms. We have Instagram, yes. Twitter. Our our Twitter game and our Instagram game, I feel like, are both very strong. So if well, you are not stop. following us, you need to get on it. It's PS. Yes. You're wrong. We also have Facebook if you are over 95 and want to talk <laughs> to us there. I'm, I'm worse at that one, but I'm trying to remember it because it <laughs> definitely is a neglected page. But still, follow it and then I'll be motivated. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Shelby sent too. me a link yeah. this week to follow it. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so prior to that, I was not, even though I'm a host on this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's fun times. And I think we have some exciting things to look forward too so you need to be in on the know so you got to follow oh us. yeah 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 we have plans for fun things coming up we have oh, special yeah. episodes we have giveaways giveaways <laughs> uh it's, it's so exciting more news yeah. to come on all of this of in upcoming episodes yes but please for now matt tell me something i don't know um well 
I say, let's just start with the big news right <laughs> off the top. Okay. Pete Davidson Aww. and Ariana Grande, alas, their engagement, which we thought was so solid <laughs> and that they would just be together forever in love. And yet yeah. somehow the devil somehow. has snuck in between them. And even though they had matching tattoos, <laughs> they are no longer together. Well, Ugh, he got his he got his Ariana bunny ears tattoo covered a week ago or something. Oh, he did. Yeah, but people, he was like, "Oh, I just wanted it to match a uh, heart she has on her body." So it's mm. maybe been a long time coming, maybe not. Mm. I think there's been some rumors that they're just taking a break, and she just wants to get through this period and like take it slow, and they'll get back together. But I don't know. I feel like when your boyfriend starts joking about switching out your birth control pills on national television, it's sort of like cause to to reevaluate your relationship, you know. <laughs> I also feel like it's shady. I I had shady like I don't know tremors or feels or whatever. Like a premonition. I had a premonition. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. When she canceled SNL and then Kanye <laughs> stepped in to take her spot, I was like, "What's going on here? This seems sketchy to me." Because the pair of them from this summer who were inseparable, I felt like, oh no, she would want that spot and he would want her to have that spot and they would do some weird skit together and then when she didn't show, I was like, "Mm, telling. Mm, Trouble in paradise, yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, it'll just be too bad. Like, what'll he have to talk about now, you know? Like, what'll his material be? Well, he's always (laughs) been horrible on SNL, so it can't get much worse. I'm sure that in the upcoming week's episode, he'll do a bit on Weekend Update about how now they've broken up. Yeah. And then he'll just go back to his... You don't think that'll be too close to home? Like, I feel like he was the one who was dumped, you know? Oh, clearly he was the (laughs) one who was dumped. So I just don't know if he's ready to, like, joke about it, right? Like, it's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess another story here is, like, is he doing okay like do we know is he stable still like (laughs) oh we can't speculate on his mental i'm not speculating i'm just asking like (laughs) have we heard reports you know yeah yeah. like have there been articles like is he seen has he been seen i think you saw him most recently right oh yeah that's right i did (laughs) so um humble brag everybody i went to see snl live like Went to the recording of it yeah. this weekend, which was super exciting. Got to see Seth Meyers and Is um, it a humble brag though, though? Because you had to like sleep in a gutter and then spend your whole day waiting to see if you still made it and then go back and like see if you still made it again. And I just I don't I don't know if like brag is the right word, you know? Well it's well but I so like I did have to endure a lot in order to see the show and involving yeah. sleeping on the streets and having like a number in line that I didn't know if I was actually going to get a ticket, but right. I did. So now like yeah. looking back on this, like at cocktail <laughs> parties, I can say, oh yeah, I've seen SNL four times. Like it's super <laughs> chill. And, and then people think that I'm cooler than I am when really, yeah. you know, I like was like dead tired and, <laughs> um, you know, like peeing in the Times Square McDonald's bathrooms, you know, yeah. like, Again, I just kind of feel like the storyline here isn't so much that you're cooler than you are. It's more that you think SNL is cooler than it is, you know, because I just don't think it has the same like party banter like (laughs) effect you're hoping for. You know, it's just sort of a sad show, right? 
Yeah, but here's the thing, Shelby. <laughs> when I, you know, tell my grandkids about this or whatever in the future, they won't know yes. which season it was. Oh, They'll just think true. it's that's cool. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, that's do it fair. for the grand. I'm glad that's you got I, to do that. Yeah. Just, my motto. <laughs> yeah. And you were there right before Ariana and Pete split up. I heard they it I happened after the show. He looked fine when I saw him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. He had no idea what was coming. Such a, such a shocker. <laughs> yeah. uh. Well, no there's lots this. of other news this week. What oh, do you got yeah. for me? Well, I guess I want to start off with the little one. Um, this is just a fun little crazy story. Um, there's this movie coming out called Suspiria. Suspiria, it's like a, yes. Yeah. It's a remake. Yeah, it's a, it's a remake. Movie. And it's starring Tilda. Well, it stars a bunch of people, but Tilda Swinton is in it. Yes. And yes. So around like a few months ago, I meant to bring this up a few weeks ago because there were rumors that she was playing. So she plays a character in the movie, but there were rumors that she was also playing this old man who's a psychiatrist in the film who's like, and all, everyone was like, no, 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 that's just a new actor we found. He wants to keep it on the DL. He's very quiet. Um, his name is whatever. He's a real actor, but he had no credits. People couldn't find him. And he plays this guy called Dr. Klim Perer. And so the movie recently came out. And again, this rumor surfaced. And finally, Tilda Swinton was interviewed and she was like, well, I'm not technically playing Dr. Klim Perer because if you asked me if I was playing Lutz Ebersdorf, then I would say, yes, I am. <laughs> so basically, she wasn't playing the character in the movie. She was playing the actor who plays the character in the movie. So very yeah. meta, very like, whoa, layers, you know, very classic Tilda Swinton, which I thought was was just a fun bit of, of trivia for for a movie I just don't care to see. Yeah. Well, so I've seen the original and it's good and I'm excited for the new one. It's been I getting it's really like good, yeah. good reviews. Yeah. Out of the film festivals. But it was funny that Tilda Swinton's in this movie as, you know, a random Tilda Swinton-esque character. And then supposedly there's this old man <laughs> actor who's in it, who's like German. At yeah. one of the screenings, they did this whole charade of like, oh, he's so sorry he couldn't be here, <laughs> but he wrote a letter that Tilda is going yeah. to read to you right. from him. Um, and people were like, oh no, that's clearly Tilda Swinton in <laughs> yeah, old man like, makeup. I know. And they were and like, no, 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 no. It's not. <laughs> no, it's no, like Baron Von Winklevoss yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Tilda was like, of course it's not me. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And no, people no, no, were no. like, it looks like you. <laughs> but did yeah. you see this part of the story? Because I found this even more ridiculous. I mean, we all knew that it was Tilda Swinton from like months ago. Yeah. But apparently she had, she asked the props department to make a prosthetic penis for her to wear <laughs> yeah. while she was in costume no, because she, she felt like character. it would help you know get her into the character yeah. which i was like yeah. wow that is uh an attention to <laughs> detail that some might call unnecessary i think all might call it unnecessary but that's like tilda for you you know she's just a crazy kook but she's very talented and i think she knows and this it. doesn't make you want to see this movie because i want to no. see this movie even more now it sounds so strange no. But she did also say she was like, my dream was that no one would ever find out this secret, this very obvious secret in the digital age. Uh -huh. She's like, I hope no one ever finds it. And we would have put an in memoriam at the end of the movie because we wanted him to die during the edit. <laughs> So oh. it's just going to be this like, it's just like, why is my question? You know, like just to prove to yourself that you pulled it off, like, you know, you, you drew it over. Well, our, like, I don't know what her goal was here. 
So I also heard another another rumor that she actually is playing a third person in this Whoa. movie. Yes. And is she playing all is, the characters? Yes, she's is everyone. She she's Dakota Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> yes, she is. Um she was in Fifty Shades. You didn't realize that was yeah. Tilda. Um but that so there was like this character that was like almost a ruse to hide the fact that she's also playing a third oh, character. So wow. I haven't seen this movie yet. I think it comes out <laughs> next weekend, but it's horror. So I will definitely be yeah. there and I will have my eyes peeled looking <laughs> for all the, the mystery Tildas right. in the in the script. It's going to be make great. a list. Yeah. No, it's uh, she's a character. And, you know, I'm glad she finds ways to really engage with herself outside of playing Asians in in Doctor Strange. So it's great. Oh I didn't <laughs> I didn't see that movie probably. A- for the best. Asian infused, I guess. Just a mystic arts type, but like she's a great. Chang, yeah. Asian infused. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have another story for Please. you. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw this or not, <laughs> but Drake, the rapper, was on LeBron's show The Shop. Yeah. Which is this TV show where LeBron like talks to different, I guess, like professional-ish people mm-hmm. about like talking shop, you know, talking right, about right, like the right. skills that they have. Yeah. And he asked or they asked Drake whether or not he like wished that he had had a family and, you know, had like settled down. He has like a kid yeah. with like a actress or something, but it's like a baby mama situation. Oh, we all know. Yeah. And he said, you know, some days, like, I wish that Rihanna and I had just, like, settled down with a family. Like, I wanted that, and it didn't work out. And I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) well, this is an interesting development. (laughs) It's so sad. It's just a little sad, you know? That's what I feel when I watch that. I'm just like, oh, Drake, like, just move on, you know? I think Drake is one of those people who is like a super romantic. I feel like we all have these friends <laughs> yeah. who desperately want to be married. Like they want yeah. to be in a relationship and have kids and be married like so badly. And it almost because of how badly they want it, it like scares people off or is right. sort of like a weird personality quirk that they have. And so then because of that, people <laughs> don't marry them. And I think Drake has that same thing. He's yeah. so desperate. Yeah, you, like, wanted Nicki Minaj, you wanted Rihanna, (laughs) like... uh. He's the Taylor Swift of the rap world, is how I like to see it. (laughs) Oh, yes, 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 yes. I did not think of it that way, but it makes sense. He's, like, he really believes in it. He has these really sentimental, biographical songs. He doesn't get the same flack for it that Taylor does, but that is another story. (laughs) I think that's because Drake comes across as actually caring and taylor swift <laughs> comes across as a robot it's not the time not the place i'm not ready to have this argument with you again <laughs> the point is <laughs> drake has a lot of those same like earnest overly romantic sort of woe is me this could have been something lines in his music and his life that taylor swift did too so He'll get, he'll find his Joe, you know, his perfect match, his forever bow. For now, for <laughs> now, for now. Um, I have another yeah. quick, like very quick tangent to spin off okay. of this while we're on it. Yeah. So did, <laughs> I saw this story and it's like, oh my gosh, Shelby must have a million <laughs> thoughts. That Lena Dunham, your oh. favorite, was on <laughs> Watch What Happens Live and they asked her yeah. which of Taylor Swift's boyfriends was her <laughs> least favorite because, you know, her and Taylor are 
best friends and basically Total the same BFFs, person. Yeah. And she said that Calvin Harris was her <laughs> least favorite. Yeah. Which I was like, how many of these people was did Lena Dunham even know? know? That you was know what the I mean? One. Like yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I did. I actually wrote that down in my notes and then I was like, you know what? I'm tired of talking about her and I deleted it. But I did <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's like of course she opens her mouth and like talks about it and she tries to be all shady by like pretending she has her reasons or whatever but like yeah he was kind of a dick at the end so i can see why she said that but it's also Mm. like lena just shut up and talk about your own life like i just i just hate her mouth so much like whenever she speaks but it's fine it's over well she probably had a huge rider of like don't ask me about the time i abused my sister don't ask me about the time (laughs) when i use the n-word don't ask me about it it was like what can we ask her about on this show oh taylor Taylor swift yeah she's she's plenty happy to talk about that yeah she did she could have pleaded the fifth too but she didn't because she's a shady biatch (laughs) (laughs) but anyways i'm gonna transition this to something you love to talk about every time i bring it up Kanye no No. (laughs) he's back at it he is really on a roll like what did you what were your thoughts this weekend as Kanye found his way to the White House back on Twitter down to Africa you know like what were you thinking he is He's on a world tour, you know, getting <laughs> yeah. all those stops you need to hit yeah. along the way. No, when I saw this story, uh, like on Twitter, you know, people talking about Trump, people talking about yeah. Kanye West, I was like, yeah. I don't have the energy for this. I'm not <laughs> going to like look into this. I'm not going to read the stories. I'm not going to think about this. When Shelby asked me, I'm just going to say no. And then I show up at <laughs> SNL and they do a whole frigging cold oh, open yeah, about this. And I right. was like, Ugh. now I'm annoyed because I don't know what the actual references are. I don't know if the skit is funny. I'm annoyed with this story. Like, Connie, what are you doing? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, a, it's a lot. Well, it's I think lot. we learned a lot of important things. Number one, his phone password is 0000. So if you ever get your hands People on that. People were making fun of that. But like, like what are all of y'all's phone passwords? You know what I mean? Is yours like one, two, na- three, four? No, it's not. <laughs> but I definitely know people who have like pod, who have passwords that are like well, one, 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 or like yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, or whatever. Like, are people they pick like easy famous ones. people who have famous people's phone numbers and probably some pretty sensitive photos or texts? Yeah, but he know? probably gets like a different phone like every <laughs> week, you know, and he has yeah. to like. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's just a funny little bit. But the real star of the show was his conversation with Donald Trump and their shared love for each other and his hug. And even Trump, after Kanye went on this unexpected 10 minute rant, was just like, wow, that was quite something. That was quite something. And it's like, (laughs) if you make Trump speechless, like, you know, you have something crazy going on, you know, but I think it was uh it was a it was a wild ride and it was a lot to digest and I don't think you really walked away with any any new feelings you're just kind of like we're just all in this like WTF stage as we look at Kanye and his antics and I was reading about Jonah Hill who's a, I guess a big Kanye fan and he was like yeah I just want him to either like finally do something crazy enough that I'm just like over it or that he'll apologize and walk back on some of this crazy stuff or he'll get the meds he clearly needs. I don't know if Jonah Hill said that part, but it just so he can have a good time at Thanksgiving. And it made me think of you because I bet you get a lot of questions about your loyalties with Kanye now. 
I do, I do. Yeah. And it's always it's always like mildly annoying. <laughs> I, I mean, the thing is, like I love all of his music and yeah. and I feel like to a certain extent this is this is another issue, but I was talking to somebody today who was saying that oh, they're not going to read the new JK Rowling book that's out her like mystery because of the Johnny Depp film issues, yeah. which we'll get into when we cover that in a couple mm-hmm. of episodes. But but I was sort of like, you know, on one hand, I I do agree. Like, there are some people who I feel like, okay, you know, like, you've done bad things and I right. want you, like, ended. But there are some <laughs> times where people, Whoa. they've made one choice or, you know, like, many choices. Or Connie, with Connie, it's like a lot of his things, I think, are also, like, related to these various, like, mental illnesses that he has. You know, there's just... <laughs> no, no, no. I he doesn't necess- have bipolar, remember? He was just tired. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, supposedly. Well, he said both. Uh, <laughs> there's just a lot going on there, and yeah. I really like his old stuff, so I'm not going to just be like, well, you did one thing I didn't like, so you're done to me. It's like, J.K. Rowling <laughs> can, you know, do whatever. I will still read all of her books. I will still... Like, I still love Harry Potter. Like, it's not... <laughs> It's, it doesn't, like, affect me if she makes yeah. one ch- choice that I feel like, okay, maybe that wasn't the greatest. It's like, <laughs> n- I can move on from that. Now, if Tom Cruise makes one bad choice, like, he's yeah, dead to me like, and never going to see another here. one of his yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's just it's just interesting the fodder he keeps giving people and and the room he's given to kind of be problematic, whereas, you know, there's the Taylor Swift is over party. There's, like, all these like Twitter, you're canceled, you're canceled, you're canceled, like you were saying. But for Kanye, they just give him this like break. That's a really interesting social thing to look at for me because I'm on sort of the outside. I like Kanye's music, but I never like really cared about him as a person. So it's sort of like, hmm, what did he do today? And like, I think what was great was when he was on his Twitter rant and he like posted a 10 minute video of himself talking or something about how Sometimes it feels like mind control, like when people tell him what to wear or what to say or what to post, it feels like they're touching his brain and he doesn't like that, which is really interesting given the way he controls (laughs) Kim Kardashian's wardrobe and Instagram. But again, it's just like fun to talk about in a sad sort of way, probably because I'm like, yeah, I just... I'm just waiting for the moment where it just is too much and we just still haven't gotten there, which is just so interesting to me. (laughs) I think part of it, though, I think part of it is the like how the person responds. I think that he is, you know, like pressing forward. And so people who who are done with him are done with him. And but it's like it does it it doesn't affect him where I think if you like get called out and you get like really flustered and like have a breakdown and go in, you go on (laughs) these like all apology tours or whatever, then I think people then I think you have like given control over to somebody else. And so they decide whether you're done or not. But Connie is famous enough and he's like, no, you know what? Like I'm standing by what I say or, you know, like I'm going to change my mind as I see fit and not let other people dictate me. And so I think that is part of the reason why he keeps like showing up in these stories is because he's not like leaving and going home with his tail between (laughs) his legs. He just keeps keeps trucking on for for better or for worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. Right now he's in Africa. He told the president of Uganda he wants to make Uganda the next Jurassic Park. So that'll be really wow. exciting, you know? Like, see You'll if be that into comes that. Out. Yeah, he might win me over. Yeah, 
Kanye's new biggest fan, Shelby Boyer, yeah. right there. Jurassic yeah. World Uganda. First first day tickets. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's been it's been a wild ride. And so we'll just see what he comes up with next week to talk about. But things we have to talk about this week are feature presentation. Yes. First man. First the Neil man. Armstrong biopic directed by Damien Chazelle who directed Whiplash which I know you loved I and loved. La La Land which I think and I also I love Whiplash love. it's like yeah it's such a good movie and then La yeah. La Land which I think is whatever he also directed a random like first movie before that I thought Whiplash was his first movie but it's not there was some oh. other movie that I'd never heard of that I then did not write down the name of so <laughs> can't remember Mystery. that but okay so yeah. I so I have not heard your like any opinions on this. I don't know if you liked it or not. I had a feeling while I was writing <laughs> my notes today. I was like, I bet Shelby hated this movie. And I bet we are going to argue about it a lot because I really liked it. So am I right or am I wrong? I think you are. It's sort of a hard one for me because, yeah, I went into it with less than like optimistic thoughts. And I left with more less than optimistic thoughts. But at the same time... <laughs> It's like I can't argue that it's a well-crafted film and that there was a lot of it that was really enjoyable. And if this movie had come out 10 years ago, I probably would have been like, wow, what an amazing addition to our cinematic landscape. But I think it just the question I left asking instead was like, why? You know, (laughs) it's the question I went into with and it's the question I walked away with because I just... I just don't feel like it was that new or fresh or interesting, even though it did some fresh and interesting things. So I don't know. I I mean, that's just like my first impression, my first take, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. I mean, I think that's a valid question because when I heard that this movie was coming out, when I heard that this was Damien Chazelle's next Mm -hmm. project, I feel like I had a similar reaction of like, why this? Why now? You know, his first two movies were very musical focused, Mm -hmm. um, which this one is not. He like Neil Armstrong is a huge, like, iconic American figure. Mm-hmm. And it, I was just sort of like, like, what is the connection between you as a director and right. this project? Like, why are you interested in making it? And then also, like, why do you feel like this is a project that needs to be made in 2018? Like, what is right. this? Like, what about this is important for, like, this time? In doing research, it looked like this project has been in the works for a long time. I mean, it's been in the works since 2003 when Clint Eastwood bought the rights to it originally. (laughs) Clint Eastwood, man. Yeah. Clint Eastwood. He's been trying to make everything. Yeah. (laughs) But Damien Chazelle. Yeah. So he, so he got the rights in 2013 and which was before La La Land had even like started uh, like coming about. Like he got the rights to this and decided that he wanted to make this. And then La La Land he made in between because this was like such a huge project. And this is also the first project that he didn't write. This was, it's based on a book and then somebody else wrote the screenplay for it. Actually the person who wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah. Is Josh Singer, right? He did like spotlight and the post. Yes. Which are both movies that I love. Did you like both of those? I liked the post. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, noted. 
Spotlight was my favorite movie of what was it, 2015, I think. Yeah, something. And like it that. is one of the few years where like something won Best Picture, and I was like, yes, yes, like, <laughs> yeah. this is the one I wanted to win. Usually, yeah. <laughs> I just have to sit there in like misery as something yeah. horrid wins. <laughs> Cough, Birdman. Um, but uh, <laughs> but well, I, was I think it's one, interesting because but... like. I grew up in, uh, my dad loves space movies. So I grew up watching The Right Stuff and Apollo 13 and all the like fake space movies. So I had come into this being like, oh my gosh, like how many times can we talk about the space program? You know, like what? Yes. What like magical quality is there anymore when we know this all happened and like nothing really like came from it like it's not like a it's not like a miracle story with like a finale that like changed all our lives you know and so i was sort of like what is the magical ingredient to make this movie more impressive than the right stuff more lasting than apollo 13 and i walked away really unsure if he had nailed that in any way like i thought it was beautifully shot beautifully scored and always impeccably acted by um ryan gosling who can do anything but i just like didn't know what what the director was hoping to like add to the conversation with this yeah I think that the answer that I kind of like resolved in my mind that problem with was that one, there hasn't been a Neil Armstrong movie that's like, I mean, he's been like featured, you know, like randomly, like he's in Apollo 13 or whatever, but it's not, it's not his movie. It's not about him. There hasn't been like, and like, Neil Armstrong movie that's been really well done. And you th- yeah. would think that he is a figure in history that deserves a great movie. Yeah, I don't even think there's like a movie about the moon landing, like the yeah, literal, no. <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. And there was like a TV movie or whatever called Apollo oh, 11 yeah. that I found in my hunt. Oh, really? But yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. But no big movie, which is bizarre. Yeah, Speaking of like is. how many other elements of the space program we have had movies about. You know, I mean, like, like even as recently as like Hidden Figures, you know, right. or, or um, like even something like Arrival. You know, I mean, we've had like oh, these well, weird. That's a fake story. Just FYI. That's a. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, that didn't no. really happen, Matt. So no, it was. It's set in the future, and then Annie Adams came back yeah. and whispered something in my ear, and that's how I know it's going to happen. Yeah. You didn't realize okay. that. Yeah. No, but so the the moon landing, the Neil Armstrong has never been really oh, yes. faithfully done. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Well, I was going to say what also kind of because this movie hasn't performed as well as anyone thought. All these white dudes are like, "Huh? Why hasn't this?" What? <laughs> yeah, and you can kind of picture both the uh, both the actors, the director, the writer being like, "Why didn't this work?" And I think a lot of that we have to kind of revisit some of the controversy that came out both before and now after the movie because it's been sort of it's been sort of mired with some bad press. Yeah, which we yes. actually covered, I think, um, in an earlier episode when the when it first came out, but. Yeah. But before we get there, anyways, I just wanted to say that I think what makes this movie special and which I really enjoyed about it is that is that it looks at something that is such a huge history making cosmic event that everybody knows and that everybody has seen and read about and heard about for years and looks at it in such like an intensely personal way. And I was trying to think of another movie that 
has that same juxtaposition. And I couldn't think of something. The story of this movie about Neil Armstrong and like the grief that he's going through and the various like things that are going on in his personal life were things that I had never heard of, despite this maybe being like the most well told or like most often told story, like in the latter half of the 20th century. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I do um, think we'll butt heads a little bit there because (laughs) I just rolled my eyes so hard. And I just like, I like see what you're saying. I do. And I agree to a point that it was like an interesting perspective to take because there were no like boardroom scenes with people yelling about the importance of getting a man to the moon, damn it. And like, there was no like, big picture why we're doing it speeches it was really just about this dude on his journey to the moon yeah (laughs) which is i mean yeah that's the crux of the film and like i think that is why it has maybe struggled to find an audience because one people were expecting big big angles with like the controversy that came out in the beginning and they were expecting like oh what a powerful story what a beautiful like story we're gonna see like this epic story and it turned out to be kind of a sleeper it turned out to be sort of personal like you said like it was very intimate it was just like very small scale look at a big scale event and so I think it just kind of struggled to find the right audience because the people who go to space movies are like my dad who want like Apollo 13 they want the like oh my gosh, everything's falling apart. Are we going to make it? And it's just, it never like, it never really like picked up in that same way, that same vein. So, Well, let's talk about the release and some of this controversy then, I guess. So it came out this past weekend. It had a almost $60 million budget. It made only $16 million domestically. I think right now it's sitting at about $25 million total. But But usually they say that whatever the opening weekend is, the movie will make three times that amount in its full run which means that if it only made 16 million (laughs) three times that is not 60 million so it's going to be under budget which is not good for a movie that you know cost this much and and initially people were like the reason why this movie didn't do well is because of the flag controversy which i think we had (laughs) talked about earlier but basically this movie does not have a scene in it where (laughs) the astronauts plant the united states flag on the moon having seen this Shelby like what are your thoughts about this controversy (laughs) and about the movie and how it deals with this like like what are what was going through your mind yeah it just like I obviously knew about it and I wasn't phased by it like it's a very American movie and to be honest that was sort of like why I didn't necessarily love it it felt very like hoorah make America great again like old bygone era where men were strong and it was very American and it was very celebratory of America's like race to space. And so when they didn't take the time to plant the flag, it was sort of like, why did they care? And I think the thing is no one actually watched it. Who cared? Like it was like someone saw a tweet and ran with it. And suddenly Trump was responding to it and saying, I'll never watch this movie. And it's just like, it snowballed in such an embarrassingly reactive way. If you see the movie from start to finish, like, That didn't matter, but it didn't mean that it was like a globalist or non-anti-American movie, you know? Oh, yeah. 
Well, the movie came out at the Venice Film Festival in <laughs> Italy and showed to like yeah. a couple thousand people there in Venice, Italy. And somebody or another, I guess, like tweeted out about this. And <laughs> Americans who the movie would not be out here for months <laughs> yeah. were like, this is this is a horrible movie. Like, nobody go see this. It's trash. It's anti-American. And yeah, it's so American. Watch it. Yeah. It's two and a half hours long, and there is a lot of America in it. And yeah. when you get to the end, because the movie is this personal story, and it basically, you know, the final climax of it is them going to the moon mm-hmm. as a movie about Neil Armstrong would. <laughs> Spoiler you have- alert. That scene is really about him in a much more personal way. Right. So there's not this moment where it's like, this is for America. Like, let's <laughs> plant the flag. Rah, rah. Yeah. Which I think that there probably would have been in, in you know, like an 80s or 90s version right. of this movie. But, but yeah, I don't, I think that everybody who had that complaint did not watch this movie. Yeah. And it's sort of like interesting because we had that controversy we had it fueling everything beforehand and all these like right wing or conservative types were like, can't see it, won't see it, don't want it, bad, bad, bad. But I don't think we can blame its lackluster performance on that alone because I think, like I was saying, it really struggled to find its tone or its audience or the audience that would identify to the tone it had chosen. So like, because I think it was just like, for a lot of middle middling like fans of movies, it just doesn't have an appeal. It's like a space movie and space and doesn't long. have. Yeah. And it just doesn't have that magical quality anymore because we have Star Wars. We have a we have Arrival. We have all these movies. We have The Martian. We have Interstellar. We have all these movies that take us to new and exciting places in space that like the old stuff is just co- sort of like, well, you know, it's like a biopic like. Ugh, I read yeah. about this in school. I learned that that the even Stevens song about when we landed, like I don't need to see yeah. this portrayed. And so it is like, it's too bad because I think it is like, it is an interesting film to talk about. And I think he does make some really interesting directorial choices. My thought when I heard that it didn't do well in theaters was yeah. like, because, because I guess the, Another big part of the story is that it did very well with critics. Critics yes. really liked this at the festivals, and it's been getting a lot of Oscar buzz. And people mm-hmm. thought, "Oh my gosh, this is going to come out, and it's going to do really well." It's a yeah. it's an American movie about space. Those usually draw big <laughs> crowds. Like it'll get the blue states, it'll get the red states. Like everybody will go see this. But I think that the reason why no one went and saw this is because there was no marketing for it. I have not seen <laughs> one preview for this one trailer in a movie that I have seen in the last months. Like I have been talking about that friggin' a star is born trailer since like March. And this, like I, I had not, I cannot tell you about the trailer for this. The only reason why I knew this movie was coming was because of all of the like Oscar hype that I've heard about it. No, that's right. I was trying to, cause I remember I forgot that this was a movie when we put it on our schedule. I was like, what is this? And then I remembered, yeah, I had casually seen a trailer, I think, at one point. But it was a pretty quiet, <laughs> pretty quiet promotion cycle. I don't know why they did it. And it's weird, too, coming from this director hot off his, like, almost Oscar win. Yes. And, like, he should have been, like, this should have been one of, like, a great film. Like, it's like he's proven himself as a director. He's, like, put himself out there in different formats. And so it's just like, well, what went wrong? And I just... I think it's like also interesting. The only part of the promotional cycle I saw was the poster and the poster says 
experience the impossible journey to the moon. That's the tagline. That's the best yeah. they could come up with. And it's like, it's not uh, impossible. We all know it happened. You know, it's like, yes. you're just like being condescending wow. now. It could have been fake, but. <laughs> yeah. It was like, that's all they could come up with was, oh, we need a tagline. Let's just say, oh, it's a, it's a experience the impossible. It's like, well, why didn't you like hone in on the fact that this is, Ryan Gosling, it's Claire Foy, it's this amazing director who's been like lauded for really popular movies, not just artsy movies, but like yes. very commercially popular movies. So it's like, where did they slip up? I don't know. I mean, I feel like Whiplash is one of those movies that I know so many people mm-hmm. who love Whip. Like, I love Whiplash. It's yeah. in my top 100. It's in your top. I mean, it's in yes. your top like 20 it's in or my whatever. Top 10, maybe five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I it's it. so good. And even though you and I didn't necessarily love La La Land, mm-hmm. so many people love La La yeah. Land. Like the number of people I know who have like the vinyl album of La La Land and, you know, like sing oh. all the songs. Yeah, this should have been marketed a hell of a lot better, especially yeah. like Claire Foy just won an Emmy. Ryan yeah. Gosling is, you know, a Ryan huge Gosling. name. Yeah, <laughs> It's Neil friggin Armstrong. There hasn't been a movie about this. Like this should have been everywhere and i don't understand why it wasn't it's it's bizarre to me and then the production company's like well because this is an oscar movie like we knew that it would open slow and it's just gonna be slow but until the oscars in march so we'll Mm -hmm. we'll get our money yeah yeah, and they very well might but it's like that (laughs) should not have been your strategy right (laughs) yeah and the other problem is it's one of those movies and i don't know if it's just the culture of the time But already public opinion, critics' opinions have been swaying to feel like sort of probably where I fall. This movie is too white. It's too like, I don't know, blue blooded. It's like very like, why are we doing this movie now? And I think that is going to be a problem for it, too, because it kind of has already fizzled, at least in my circle. Like, I don't know people who in like a month are like, oh, I'll go see this Ryan Gosling movie. Like, that'll be cool. Like, I just... I feel like it had one shot and it just mm, bounced right off the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's weird though, that uh, you have these people on the right who are like not enough patriotism. Right. And then you have more liberal people who are like, this movie's too white. Yeah. It's like not like I was reading reviews that are like, well, this movie doesn't deal with race relations in NASA. Right. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, that's because this isn't about race relations in NASA. I mean, like that well, would like that question, is a movie though. that like, is worth the, being made. Yeah. But like this is about Neil Armstrong and his like very personal I mean, basically this movie is about Neil and his relationship with his wife. Like right. that is the that is what the movie is about. Yes, it goes through these various like Gemini missions, which <laughs> why like is it actually pronounced Gemini and not Gemini? Because I was thrown off the <laughs> entire time by that. But it goes through these missions, but really it's all about him and her. And it's not the outside world comes into it very little. Well, I think that's part of the criticism. I think it's just like, wow, this is so insular. This is so driven by this one man's ego, tortured soul, whatever you want to call it. It's just this one dude's perspective. And it's like, why didn't Damien, um, the director who like took on all these really interesting character like driven but also like very insightful pieces about artistry or whatever you want to say why did he choose to focus on this like that was my question it was like what did this story 
ad that made it better or more worthy of accolades than hidden figures that really gave a new perspective on something no one knew anything about or like, you know, the right stuff that focuses on these like crazy lead ups to this impossible mission. I don't know. It just was like, it just like was sort of like bland by the end is how I felt. But I, uh, that's just me, maybe. I'm, Me and a bunch so, of other critics. <laughs> so this so this is something that I have been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. The not particularly about this movie, but about this issue of like what like what is a movie that we need versus what is not a movie right. that we need. And I think that there's yeah. I mean, like we said last week about a star is born, like is like is this a story that we need to be telling right now? And right. I do think that like it's important that we tell stories that represent all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's important that we have a lot of diversity in film because there's a lot of people watching films and they should be represented on the screen. Yeah. But I, but I still, I think that that doesn't mean that if a movie comes out and especially like this movie where yes, it's an all, it's a mostly white cast, if not all white cast, but you it's like, it's based white, on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's based on like an all, it's based on an all white history. You know, it's like if they yeah. put a random, like, Oh, there's an we're gonna shoehorn an Asian neighbor in here. It, like it wouldn't have made sense. So I do think that there's still like a value in in telling stories in general, like just in telling people's stories truthfully and honestly, whether or not they include you know various walks of life in them. I mean, I can see the argument either way, but I think that that this is like this is a story worth telling in and of itself, even if it's not necessarily like the most compelling story for this political climate. Right. And I agree. Like, I don't think it's valuable for us to be like, if a movie is not saying something important, don't say anything at all. But I think what frustrated me with this movie was it felt like there were moments where they could have said something interesting and they could have said something important. They could have focused more on, I don't know, not even the racial issues at NASA, but just like the what was most interesting to me was the scene of the protest where half of the nation didn't want NASA to go to space. They didn't see the value in walking on the moon. And I thought that was so interesting. And I was like, man, why isn't there a movie about that? Like, why isn't there more engagement in that? And also, even Claire Foy's character as Janet, Neil's wife, I was like, why couldn't they have made the movie about her and like her dealing with this in such a real way where it could have highlighted that aspect of the trip instead it focused it wholly on this man and his ego and his turmoil and his like purpose and his mission and whatever else like it just felt sort of like I was disappointed by moments where it could have been something more distinctive more interesting to reflect our times and instead they kind of just cheated and put in little bits here and there but never really dedicated themselves to going outside of Neil's head yeah, I, w- I was frustrated by the fact that they kept bringing up this, like, the space mission's taking tax dollars and we <laughs> yeah. need to put that to better use. But then yeah. it never really, like, addressed that in any yeah. real way. I sort of feel like he should have just left that out of it. Like, I think right. that that was in there because it was something that happened during the time. But I felt like if the movie is going to be so personal and that's what is going to be the thing that sets this apart, then I don't think we need that because that argument didn't seem like it struck any real chord with Neil or like put any weight on him. (laughs) They could have better used that time to focus on 
his relationship with his wife or more right. of those kind of scenes. Yeah. And you know what? You know what I really wanted that they left out? I wanted, and I think this would have helped their general story too. I wanted them to focus on how Neil Armstrong came up with his one-liner, his famous statement on the moon. This is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I really wanted them to put that in to either show how rehearsed and practiced and like thoughtful Neil had been about that mission. That would have like really emotionally impacted how seriously he took it in a way that we kind of felt like he was sort of disengaged. He just was like, oh, it's kind of neat, you know? Whereas if we'd seen him carefully... Well, I mean, like, there's this idea that he is sort of... Like, obviously, he cares about his mission. But what I'm saying is there wasn't, like, an emotional... I don't know how to say it. But I just think it's, like... Like, when he's sitting with his wife, he's, like, describing this crazy day he had. And he's just like, oh, I learned something kind of neat. And it turned out to be something crazy. And it's just... It sort of felt like there was an emotional disattachment to him, his surroundings, whatever. Which I think is part of his character. I mean, but I took that to be like the opposite of he doesn't have emotions, not because he doesn't have them, but because he has so many and he's trying to keep himself under control. He has to maintain control over himself. And yeah. you you see early in the movie that his daughter dies and then all of his friends who are his fellow astronauts die one at a time in all of these horrific ways. And even just the scenes of like at the beginning of him flying that fighter jet or when he's flying that like moon landing craft mm-hmm. halfway through and has to like launch up in these parachute like he's dealing with so much stress on a daily basis that I think like if he processes any of it he will lose it and so he has to like 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 every single scene for me of him was like him like desperately trying to keep <laughs> hold of his emotions despite the fact yeah. that like everything a- around him is going to pass so i found all of those scenes like very moving to me did you not feel that way uh, it's hard for me to talk about it's like yes to a degree yes and i like that this movie was never like never championing neil armstrong's inability to communicate his feelings yeah they really kind of just honestly highlighted this sort of died in the wool sort of all-american keep those feelings and be gruff be straight never let anyone know what's going on in your mind it was very it was a very good portrayal of the stereotypical like level of what we call toxic masculinity today but and they like, showed that as a negative in the movie don't right. you think yeah and so i appreciated that i did But it just also became like, I just wanted a moment where I could like, I I don't know, like I just thought the moment where he decides, like I could just picture him being like trying to figure out the perfect phrase to say on the moon. And I feel like they really missed a moment to allow the audience to like see that because the way it happens, he just says it and you don't get to like, yeah, see the forethought that probably went into that, which I think would have helped me care more about it because otherwise it just was like. I, I don't know. I just really struggled with his character. One, because it's just, it's not a valuable, like, character to me. I don't think he's a great guy. And I don't think they tried to, like, present him as a perfect guy. But it just isn't that fun to watch. And I think if they'd taken moments to kind of show how his brain worked and how, like, instead of just showing the reactions to different scenarios he's put in, like, when he 
when he races away from his wife because he can't deal with telling her what just happened or when he leaves the funeral because he can't deal with being at a funeral. Mm-hmm. It's always it's always his reactions to a moment instead of like his thoughts, his concern, his like worry. So I just thought a scene like that would have helped emote a little bit more than we'd seen. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a scene of like catharsis at all in right. the movie where he like ever breaks. And I think yeah. that like based on the, the the book and like the interviews and things that I read, I didn't read the book, but like based on what I have read about it, that he never really had that in life either. And in the and yeah. his wife eventually leaves him. I mean, you can tell oh, in the movie that <laughs> things are like sort of on the rocks and eventually that's going to break down. And you know, she there's a really powerful scene I think in the end of the toward the end of the movie where he is going where he is going away to go to the moon and his wife is like you could die like you need to say goodbye to your kids and tell them that you might not be coming back like you need to say that to me you can't just sneak out in the middle of the night because you want to avoid your feelings and even in that confrontation and then in the next scene where he's talking (laughs) to his sons there's not it's not like a I'm afraid like I don't want to admit I'm you know there's not that moment that you would think that would be there but I guess like just as a person that's not who he is and yeah I I don't know I know it sort of is like no it's interesting because it's hard to tell a emotionally compelling story about someone who is so emotionally distant. Yes. And so I think like you were struck by things that honestly kind of bothered me because I was like, I think the problem is obviously these dudes exist. Obviously that was definitely a thing our culture taught men and boys to act like, especially then. But it just feels like the movie was also working off of this idea that landing on the moon was a huge achievement. It was a huge moment. It was worth any cost. And so to me, it was really frustrating to feel like there was also this, even though they tried to show that he wasn't a great guy, he wasn't a great husband, it was still competing with the story of he was a great man. It's just becomes sort of like, which side are you going to buy? Like that he had to be this way so that he could do what he had to do. Because in a lot of ways, I think that's what the movie is saying is like, if he had gotten emotional, if he couldn't remain under control, then he wouldn't have been capable of everything he needed to get through to get to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's, I was, I think I was compelled a lot because, you know, I feel like I grew up in a society or in a group of people who do really like value that like we need to be strong, like don't have emotions. And so I could appreciate what he was bringing to that role but I also think that like there by the time you got to the end I think his mindset is shown in a very negative light and Mm -hmm. and even the act of him going to the moon for me and the scenes when he gets there it does not necessarily feel triumphant it feels almost like uh, not suicidal but like he it's like he has to do it just to be done with it. You know, it's like right. everything that he has worked for will only be worth anything to him if he can get to the moon. Like the deaths yeah. of his friends and his daughter, even in a weird way, like won't be worth anything to him unless he can at least like get there to the moon. And when he mm. has when he gets there, he's not really even thinking about like planting the flag or the monument the monument of the moment. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why they really don't focus on that line at all. He's, he's thinking about like his daughter and the people that he's lost along the way. And like these poor, 
maybe life choices that he's made and sort of that this is only worth anything to him in the fact that he is able to like use it to kind of account for his crappy way that he has been mm-hmm. living for so long. And I think after after he went to the moon, he like became a farmer and like never did anything again. So <laughs> I think See, he just I wish like, get done, me out of here. I wish they'd done that story. Like that is so much more interesting. Like what happens after you go to the moon? Like who did this yeah. guy become? Like it just seems like they were focused on this triumphant moment of human will and like the strength of like perseverance or whatever. And so it's interesting the way you paint that because I'm like, wow, that is a cool way of looking at it. I don't know if I tuned in in the same way because to me, there's a helpless sense of triumph and awe when you are staring at a man's boot making an impression on the moon. You know, like uh-huh. that yeah. scene felt powerful because it's like he finally made it. He finally got there. Like, holy crap. He just changed the face of a planet that had never seen a human yes. before. And so... To some degree, I see what you're saying, but I also feel like the movie was trying to dip its toes into both sides of the pool because it was like, it was trying to be sweeping and grandiose and like, he made it, he did it, look at this, look at all of what it cost and all that it was worth. And it's like, I don't know, it sort of is like an interesting dynamic then to see the two together because they are kind of at odds when you put it like that. Well, he the Damien Chazelle... In this movie, he never, he doesn't hit anything like over the head. And so I think that while it's good to have subtlety in movies, obviously, maybe in this one, he's like too subtle in that different people can read it in different ways. And you don't really, you're not sure what he's trying to say or what the movie is trying to say. But maybe let's move on to it's kind of like talking about it maybe more technically and some of its Mm -hmm. like awards potential because I think it has a lot of Oscar potential. No, I was just going to say, I walked into the movie, I was like three seconds late. And so I walk in and it's just like, it opens with the most amazing shot. Like, honestly, one of the most powerful scenes in this year's cinema, probably in recent years. But he's like in this cockpit just like shaking through space and you're just stuck with him for like two and a half minutes as he's just shaking 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 and I was like whoa like this is beautiful this is such a great shot and I think that I think that will lead to a lot of awards because he did such a great job at directing this film and his cinematography was always it was just great I really enjoyed that part of it for sure did you see it in IMAX because I saw it in IMAX and it was like overwhelming (laughs) I can't remember. We did see one movie in IMAX. Maybe it was that one. I don't know. It was a big screen. It felt big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. And, it, and something that I thought was really interesting is the whole first part of the movie, well, the majority of the movie is shot what I was like, oh, this looks like it's like a 70s movie, basically. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a grainy. And that's because it's shot on what I found out is like 16 and 35 millimeter film. So it's yeah. like a there's like less you know, like pixels or whatever in it. And then when like the door opens of the lunar module or whatever it is that they land on the moon, it like clicks and it switches and everything comes into like clear hyper focus. And that's because Mm -hmm. those shots on the moon, they shot in IMAX. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really interesting like juxtaposition. And yeah, it just goes to how good like cinematography, the visual effects. I feel like this is going to win a lot of those like below the line technical categories. 
Also, did yeah. you love the music in this? I thought the oh, score was so amazing. beautiful. Yeah, I miss like good movie scores. I thought this one was so good, and it was really like. I think there's a scene either right before they land on the moon or while they're flying over it. And there's just this beautiful score. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is a good, good soundtrack, which was nice. And I think Damien Chazelle pays great attention to detail. And I really do value that in his films, even if I don't love them. Like, I think it'd be silly to pretend he wasn't a great filmmaker. Yeah, and and he's good with music, so it makes sense mm-hmm. that there's a great score in here. So, if we were, I mean, now we've seen like two Oscar frontrunners <laughs> back to back. Like, if you had to give an award, best picture to First Man or A Star Is Born, who would you choose? <laughs> Either or, like those are my only choices. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely do First Man. I think it's a okay. non-starter. <laughs> like, there's no way A Star Is Born. It's already fizzled. People are already recognizing its flaws. Not even just story-wise. It just wasn't great. Like this movie you walk into. I mean, I just like loved one, all the scenes of them flying through space because I think a lot of space movies, like I said, I've been forced to watch a lot. It sort of romanticizes the journey a little bit. Whereas this, you like realize they are in like pieces of crap. Like these are just like scrap metal. Like who knows who put what into these. And they're just like, shaking through space and it's just like full throttle crazy insane that they were able to shoot these hunks of metal into the stratosphere and it's just like it was crazy to see and it was really amazingly shot and there's that scene where ryan gosling is on that like simulator thing which they actually Mm -hmm. put him into and you can see like how (laughs) sick ryan gosling is getting like (laughs) as a human on that machine and that is what it feels like to be in space i was like oh no i would have been like passed out throwing (laughs) up on myself like dead two minutes in yeah miserable yeah i know and it was like there were all these close-ups all these like really tight frames even when they were in space because i'm so used to it being like the rocket launches and suddenly you see this beautiful just like view of the entire planet earth and it's like oh wow space and i know they did it because like they couldn't afford necessarily to make those shots but most of the shots are just of what neil armstrong could see through his tiny window or what would be reflected on his visor so it was all really like minimalistic and you kind of felt claustrophobic even when you were in space which i thought was a really like interesting directorial choice and it was it really like worked to make the movie feel like that tension and that like wait why are we risking human lives in this giant field of blackness that we can't even like see the ship we're trying to dock in and we're just like shooting off Mm -hmm. little gas to try and motivate ourselves towards where we think it is like it was an interesting it was really it was cool the way they technically played it very technical and very straight that way and i thought it played into the personal quality of the movie too and mm-hmm. that you when you're seeing these scenes you're th- seeing them from neil armstrong's perspective and not right. from like look at this grand vista oh there's yeah. mars <laughs> you know it's like no like you're in a tin can you're flying a thousand yeah. miles per hour everything <laughs> in the world is shaking like you could die yeah. at any minute it was yeah like, and then takes. like they're flying to the moon and the alarms keep going off and they're just like yes no, ignore it's it like, it's oh, like ignore that one just, ignore just it. keep going we'll just trust this because it's 
like what what can you do you know it's like well and then they show up on the moon and it's like oh no one thought that there might be like a giant crater on the moon like no one picked a landing spot they're like oh shoot there's some rubble here like it's like we're almost out of gas yeah Uh, um so bradley cooper versus ryan gosling who would you (laughs) give the best actor to you know surprisingly that's a little tougher to me i think i think brian gosling is so talented and i know he was playing a character who's just played very like straight but i kind of struggle to kind of believe him sometimes and i don't know if that's just because i missed his charisma but Mm -hmm. it just like sometimes felt like it was trying too hard if that makes sense i don't know what about you well that's interesting you say trying too hard because i felt like the opposite where (laughs) like Bradley Cooper obviously has a lot to do in his role. Like there's, he has that voice, he's drunk, he, you know, he's singing. It's a very showy performance. Whereas Ryan Gosling is basically (laughs) playing an unemotional person, like trying to bottle up things, which doesn't lend itself to a lot of like great scenes. Of, right, you know, like if they're gonna, yeah, choose there's not a like scene, big emotional range. Yes, for him, like yeah. for like, and the Oscar nominees are, you know, right, Bradley Cooper, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like uh, Ryan Gosling. Oh, it's he him staring stares. at yeah. a screen, like yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I thought both were fine performances. I, yeah. I'll be interested to see who else is, gets in that space as we move forward. And you know, like to be fair, like I really valued how the movie portrayed ryan gosling's growth as a character or even de de evolution almost because he starts off really kind of more i don't want to say charismatic but he does seem more warm and more open and and emotional and then it's as death upon death is stacked you can kind of feel him receding like i thought it was really interesting like there's a scene where he's happy with his wife and his kids and they're like dancing and like playing. And then one of the kids gets in trouble and they're trying to keep a straight face as they punish him. But they're both just like so happy in the moment, this like very mm-hmm. familial scene. And then there's another death. And it's like the next scene with his family is him like not wanting to engage with his kids. It's him rushing yeah. home after that stimulator simulator had crashed and he'd gotten burned and he just like has to leave immediately because he can't deal with it. And I thought it was a really interesting progression to feel that claustrophobia creep in on his home life too. But mm-hmm. that just leads to my main frustration with the film, which was Claire Foy's character as the wife, the classic role of the sad wife staring in shadowed doorways. Like, that was one I'm just interested to see how you felt that role was carried, portrayed, if it was good, interesting dynamic. Like, what were your thoughts? I mean, I think that that role's always hard because on one hand, a real person actually played that role at one point. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. is that the woman who we want her to be? No. But was that the woman that she was and that is accurately portrayed in the movie Mm -hmm. i think probably and she does have a lot of i feel like for that character she has a lot more agency than other versions of it i have seen in the past Mm -hmm. you know i think she's got a lot more going on than like tom hanks wife does in apollo 13 um yeah so i think she does a good job with and Claire Foy is a great actress. I think she does a really good job with what she's given i just Mm -hmm. don't know if that character like if Janet Armstrong like if there was anything more that they could do with that other than like what she was as a human you know 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because to me, some of the most compelling moments was seeing the juxtaposition of his like all important bros day at the office and her just struggling to survive under the weight of this like expectation and like you kind of see her grow more and more frazzled and like broken because she has to not only care carry her trauma and her pain but her husband who like refuses to open up who refuses to engage with her who like drives off and leaves her at funerals to deal with it alone and like to me that was an interesting character and like I would have loved more of that. And I think it was valuable to Neil's story because it just like really highlighted the like difference there and the fact that he was not, his emotional burden wasn't any heavier than hers, you know, but they were just forced to deal with it in different ways. And like he got to go and do this like great white man does something moment where he changed the course of history or whatever. And she's instead relegated to like shadowed doorways and like sad scenes listening to the radio with the rest of the world. And it just kind of felt like they missed out on exploring that a little bit more for me. Well, I mean, it's definitely a sad story. And I don't think that it's the way that like we would want the world to act, you know, especially now. I I mean, I think that even though he is the protagonist of the movie, I feel like she is the hero. When it comes to the end, I think that the movie is actively showing her as like the more noble of or like the better person of the two because she is the one who like has those feelings and is willing to express them. And even I think at the end in the last scene when they're in that quarantine like it it ends with her and he is kind of like gets back and is like look like like I did it didn't I do good and she's sort of like but at like what cost you know what I mean she that look on her face at the end and kind of her acknowledgement of him like tells you that she is not satisfied with what is happening there that is really interesting because I was going to ask you about the ending because for people who haven't seen it, they don't speak. They don't exchange any words. He's behind a pane of glass and he's because he's in quarantine and she's allowed to see him after he just landed on the moon, walked on the moon, changed life forever. And they don't speak. And so it is sort of a really quiet way to end this movie. And I was curious mm-hmm. what you thought, but you read it as sort of like he was asking her for acceptance or approval or something. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think yeah that he was he felt like that he had gained something by going to the moon and that some of those things losses along the way I think that he was able to kind of like account for in the fact that he had made it there that the the lives of his friends were worth being lost because they had made it and then also I think like when he like leaves the bracelet of his daughter up there like somehow or another that is also like atonement for him in a Mm -hmm. way but then when he gets back and he is sort of like you know he like kisses his hand and kisses the glass and she kind of like is slow to react and then just sort of like touches it but in in a way that's not it's not like she's excited to it's kind of like a resigned Mm -hmm. way of like like I will give you this but I, I like this was not what right. I wanted from this experience. And to me to yeah. end on that note, instead of something more triumphant, sort of signaled to me that like, this is her movie and we're supposed to relate to her and that maybe this wasn't worth what we thought it was. Yeah, that is a very generous reading. I wish <laughs> I had thought that. I just, I, cause again, I think they really didn't pay her character enough um, do credit or respect. So maybe I just was reading the wrong signals, but like the ending to me was like, definitely there was that sense of like 
resignation or sort of like, well, yeah, this is it. Like it happened. But to me, it was more like, what did that fix? What did that change? Like, what did that do? Nothing. And it just sort of felt like it wasn't about her. It was about him and sort of like, huh, like, where do we go to next? You know, and it was just sort of like, are they ever going to be on the same page? Are they ever going to be on the same side? Like they're literally separated by glass and they still can't reach each other. And I just felt like it was more defeatist than, than maybe like, Oh, she did such a, she struggled more than well, he. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was, de- I thought it was sort of defeatist, but in a way mm-hmm. that was like melancholy hopeful <laughs> for her as a character. You know, like I think that she had realized Whoa. through all of that, that, yeah. that she like, like, I think that, you know how when you're in, like, a bad relationship, eventually you uh-huh. get to a point where you're like, okay, no, like, this is it, and this is done. Like, even if the relationship isn't done at that point, yeah. you, like, a switch has flipped in your mind and you have moved past it. And I feel like that, for her, happened while he was in the moon. Like, when he did not want to talk but to the kids. But they didn't show he... that, you know? It's like, that's what I'm saying is I wish if the yeah. director had meant that, that they would have given her that that right. scene, that moment. Yeah. Even just to look subtle. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up to interpretation. Subtle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I interpreted it in a way that was like, this was a great movie. Like, let me You're just. like, wow, like, so feminist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think I think that is part of the issue is like going into this movie. I kind of had that like sort of running in the back of my mind of like, okay, this is like, it's all white. It, but mm-hmm. I, and it's like not, it's a story about these men, but I yeah. kind of like tried to you... suppress that in my mind a little <laughs> bit as I was watching it, just because I, I wanted it to be what it, I wanted it to be the story that it was and not yeah. necessarily like me putting things on it that right. for what it couldn't be. I don't know, but I yeah. feel like we've talked about this a lot this is we are we are it's a long episode and i think this was really good we had a lot of good decisions but do you have anything like final thoughts or any other things to touch on i'm sorry no i think it's like a complicated movie to like or not like like i think there is room for interpretation whether that was intentional or not or a smart choice or not i think I'll be surprised if this movie does well at the Oscars just because I think it'll fizzle pretty fast. But it was well done. And I hope... I don't know why he chose this. I don't know if it was a great third act for him as a director, but it happened, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we have a long Oscar season in front of us. <laughs> and I think this will definitely be a front runner for a lot of the technical awards. Yeah. But I think when you're looking down the pike at things like Roma and if Beale Street could talk that are coming yeah. our way and might have more of that, like, emotional resonance and timeliness that yeah. this... I'm not sure it's going to necessarily get any of the big six awards. All the way, I could see it winning Best Director. I mean, it's it's got a lot mm, of yeah. technicality there, but we shall see. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. love it or hate it, Shelby, what do you got for us? I'm excited about this because I'm in love with what I'm about to bring up. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched it, heard of it, but there's a show called Shit's Creek. And yes. It is so good. Have you seen it? So I watched the first season and like okay. l- really liked it, but haven't gotten back to it. No. Well, they just released season four on Netflix because it's a Canadian show. I think it's like, I don't know what channel. It's yeah, on. it's Catherine but, O'Hara, right? Yeah, it's Catherine O'Hara. It's written by Dan Levy and it stars him and his dad, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. And also Dan Eugene Levy's daughters in it, too. So it's very like 
in the family, but it is... All the levies. I know. It's so smart. And like the fourth season is honestly, it was perfect. And like one of my favorite seasons of television ever. And I get to talk about it at length because there's one of my favorite parts is Dan Levy plays this character who's pansexual, but it's never like an issue. And I was sort of curious about that, but it came out that Dan Levy decided to write it in a world where like bigotry and homophobia doesn't exist. So it's just like a non-issue. It just never comes up, which is like so relieving to watch because it's just like, oh, this is how it should be. It should just be about people falling in love because they have great chemistry and they're so cute together. But in this season, especially, there are just so many powerful moments where like this, you know, he's a really sarcastic, really like he's really distanced himself from emotion and true connection. And so he kind of softens. And I think this show, what it does so well is it allows the characters to grow without ever sacrificing any of the humor or any of the characteristics that made them so funny to watch in the first place. Because if you don't know what it's about, sorry, it's basically this super rich, super spoiled family goes bankrupt and they have to run away to this town they forgot they bought once called Schitt's Creek. And so they're just kind of surviving among the laymen of the world and without losing any of their city snobbery. And so it is really funny. And season four had some of the cutest, most heartwarming moments of television history. I just loved it so much. Aww. I know. I'm like, I've rewatched like two of the episodes already. I just <laughs> have a I mean, problem. It's a, it's a funny cast. Like, it's, it's so like, funny. And it's like, they're all so talented. They're so good at comedic timing. Like they are, it's such a well-written, so sharply. It's so good. I just can't recommend it enough. Catherine Hara, I feel like is a... Is like an underrated star. Yes. Like she is so funny and freaking everything she is in. Yes. And I don't understand why she is not like the movie star of the world. You know? I know. This there, is sometimes there's those people so that you're like that you're like, why? Like why like why do I have to deal with Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> and not her? You know? Like know. those are the questions I have. No, the, so you need society. to watch the rest of it because she is just so delightful. All of them are amazing. I love the little the younger sister in it. She's just hilarious and like my spirit animal and I just can't sing enough praises. Ah. Well, Aww. fun, fun, fun. Positivity. <laughs> yes. Okay, what about you? Love it or hate it? Okay, guys. I <laughs> Tease us at the top of the show. I saw Free Solo this weekend, which for those of you who don't know, it's a documentary that's out. It's been getting a lot of Oscar buzz. So I wanted to go see it. It is about mm-hmm. Alex Honnold, who is a rock climber, but he climbs like huge mountains without any rope. So basically mm-hmm. it's called free soloing. And if he loses a handhold, he falls and dies. There's like loads of people who have done this who are dead. And he decides that he wants to free solo El Capitan, which is the like huge cliff in Yosemite that like people climb and no one has ever free soloed it before. So he gets this. So he's going to do this. And then this, documentary crew decides to follow him and for as much as it's you know like a really cool like sports documentary in the fact Mm -hmm. that he's doing this it really has a lot of interesting elements to it because there's like the threat of him dying in the middle of filming and so you're watching the people like the director and the people making the movie like 
grappling with like what do we do if he dies while we're filming this like do we still make a movie like don't we like how Mm -hmm. like it will filming affect his psyche like could we be leading to his death also in the filming of it kind of miraculously he like meets this girl they fall in love and so you also get to see like this romantic relationship and how like she and him both kind of deal with the fact that like he is doing this death defying Mm -hmm. stunt and like how they're going to deal with it it actually had a lot of like similar ish themes as first man did but it's (laughs) it's it's different because there's a lot more talking in it you know it's like there's a lot of like camera conventional yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's like very emotional and it's like harrowing and there's just alex the man who's hiking is like so interesting and has so many like funny lines and he has an interesting way of talking about things and I I was just like mesmerized the entire movie and then it's only like an hour and a half long so it goes by really quickly and afterwards I was you know texting all my family members and friends I think I texted you I was like everybody needs to go see this it's so good I have two questions Uh, though one how did they film it like is it all just drones or because it looked like in the script someone was climbing with him which sort of like I'm like okay well is it that hard then you know (laughs) well no well so here's the thing so Jimmy Chin who is the director of this um, Mm -hmm. movie him and his wife are well him especially he's directed a number of documentaries that are kind of like extreme sports documentaries so him and his team like know how to rock climb Mm -hmm. and they kind of go up and set themselves up with these cameras at various points along the along the cliff it's Mm -hmm. a mountain it's not a i mean it's a hard thing to climb it's really tall and it's like a lot of sheer rock facing it's kind of one of the biggest like Mm -hmm. rock climbing challenges in the world but it's not loads of people have done it with gear so it's not necessarily crazy that he's climbing it it's crazy that he's doing it without gear so a lot of the movie is them like prepping like him practicing climbing it with with the gear and you know, kind of showing these various spots along the mountain that are like really tricky that's sort of like, okay, and this point, you know, you basically have to hang on with one hand, or at this point you sort of have to, you know, there's like you're hanging out by like the tip of your thumb mm-hmm. in various sections. So so the filmmakers are, yeah, they're along with him. I think they also do use drones at various points. And there's obviously like people on the ground, people at the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. and then people placed along the track. Follow up question. So I, when you mentioned it, I Googled it and he's promoting it. And I'm just wondering, does that sort of rob it of its, you know, the risk? Because you know he survived it. I mean, I think it's very, (laughs) when they were making it, they obviously didn't know if he would survive or not. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like a secret in the marketing at all. But they're trying to be like, will he live or will he die? (laughs) Like, I don't think that's the interesting part. It was still edge of your seat type of stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like terrifying because you're seeing, I mean, they go over these, you know, couple sections of the climb that are like, like, this is what he is hanging on by and you see it and it's like barely anything. And then when you know that he doesn't have a rope and you've seen all of these people like friends of his who have died in these various free soloing attempts. And also you've seen him fall off the side of the mountain while he's, you know, in a rope at various points at the same times. It is very harrowing to watch i mean you know that he's going to accomplish something but it doesn't i don't think it robs it at all of the like power of it okay well it's on our list so you finally got us to do something congratulations (laughs) yes i mean here's the thing 
this year has been a great year for documentary. Yes. And I think that this will probably get nominated. We'll want you'll want to go see it just so we can talk about <laughs> it in our Oscar episode. Yeah. So okay, perfect. Great. Yeah. But well, oh I'm my excited. gosh, we have gone so long. <laughs> we have talked. So, yeah. Who knew that Neil Armstrong would be the thing that set yeah. us over the edge? <laughs> I could have talked even more. But that's I know. Okay. I know. Cut off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, follow us on social media comment on our <laughs> podcast leave us comments leave us reviews yes. um anything else shelby no that's perfect i'm excited next week we are talking about um the hate you give oh so yeah come back for that and uh we'll see you next week bye guys yeah, bye